Welcome to the Center Ranch Church Weekly Podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. Well, last week we started a brand new series we're calling The Holy Ghost and talking about the Holy Spirit, who He is, our, our, His role in our lives, a lot of times the role of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, can be a topic that there's a lot of confusion on and something that doesn't get discussed or taught on. Even in churches that would, if you looked at their doctrine and what they believe, they would say they're Pentecostal and they believe in the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but you'd never know it from actually being in the services. It's never, he's never talked about or acknowledged. And so we want to, first of all, begin to clear up some of the confusion and learn about who he is and what he's been sent to do in our lives. And one of the things we said last week is that the role of the Holy Spirit is so critical in our lives. He has an important part to play, not just an optional thing for extremists to get involved in. It is important that you and I are engaged with the ministry of the Holy Spirit. When you look at the life of Jesus, even in Jesus' life, his life dramatically changed after the Holy Spirit descended on him in baptism. He spent 30 years and chalked up zero miracles, and then the Holy Spirit descended on him. And those last three years of his life, he shook the world and raised up people to advance his kingdom, and he changed, he changed the world in those last three years. If the Holy Spirit was important in the life of Jesus, how much more do you and I need the Holy Spirit? When Jesus gave his disciples the Great Commission, to go and tell everybody the good news. He also said, but before you do that, as important as it is, don't do a thing. Wait in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. So in their lives, if Jesus said this mission is so important, but don't do a thing, how much more do you and I need the baptism, the infilling, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives? His role is critical. You know, when you, when you read the Bible, of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the first individual member of the Trinity that you ever see in Scripture is the Holy Spirit. Early in creation, before creation occurred, it was the Spirit of God that was hovering over, over the deep. So he's the first member of the Trinity that makes an appearance in the Word of God. His role is to minister to you and I, to mold us and shape us to become more and more like Jesus. So if you were here last week, we, we started working to clear up some confusion. The Holy Spirit is not an it or just a, a generic force. Sometimes the language we use, the Holy Spirit, and the way we talk about him, he sounds like an object. He's not an it. He's not water. He's not oil. He's not fire. Those things are, are used to describe it. It's a, a similitude that we can learn from them, but that's not what he is. He is God, just like God the Father is God, just like Jesus is God. The Holy Spirit is God. He's a personality for us to know. We can grieve the Holy Spirit, which means we can please the Holy Spirit. We can interact with the Holy Spirit and know him and be known by the Holy Spirit. He has a will. He is a, a person, not like you and I are people, but he has a personality. It's the person of the Holy Spirit. One of the things we looked at last week was the importance of fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. In 2 Corinthians 13, 14, it says, 
May the, may the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And we broke that down a little bit. How important each member of the Godhead of the Trinity, that each, each characteristic that's attributed to them, that's the primary revelation in ministry that they have. In Jesus, in the ministry of Jesus, we get a beautiful picture of the grace of God. It's through Jesus that grace is imparted to us. Through God the Father, we get a picture of his love, how deep his love is for us. And in the person of the Holy Spirit, fellowship is what is on display and imparted to us. That God, God isn't just a God to be floating around out there in the great eternal unknown. He wants to be known by us and to walk with us that we can have real, actual intimacy and fellowship with God. That's accomplished through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that we would have the fellowship of the Holy Spirit to know him, to walk with him. Jesus said, I'm going to send him. He's going to, going to abide with you forever. Not just for a few moments in an intense church service or during some altar time, but all day long, all week long to, to live with you, to abide with you, fellowship, to walk with God. You can know God. You can walk with him, know his voice, know his leading, know his comfort, know his voice. You can, you can have that kind of relationship through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We talked about how it's a strategy of the enemy to bring confusion because the Holy Spirit is the part of the Trinity who's working and active in our lives today. God the Father is in heaven. Jesus is seated at his right hand. Jesus told the disciples, it's better off that I return to the Father because when I return, I'll send you a helper. I'll send you the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So the enemy works to get us confused and disengaged with the Holy Spirit. And that leaves God just to be, you know, a religious interaction with a God who's far away instead of the fellowship and the relationship that God desires to have to it with us through his Holy Spirit. One other thing we talked about last week, we looked at John chapter 14, where Jesus says the world cannot receive him because it does not see him. And we talked about going by senses and the world wants to be able to touch, see, measure everything that they receive. And that reliance on senses, in the world's view, that is wisdom. If you can't measure something and know something by, by what your senses tell you, then it's foolishness. That's the wisdom of the world. But it limits, it is a barrier that prevents people from receiving the things of God. The Bible says the things of the Spirit sound like nonsense. It's foolishness to the carnal man. So if it's a barrier to the world from receiving the Holy Spirit, we said then it is at least a hindrance in the life of a believer when we make the mistake of beginning to rely on our senses and walk according to natural things. Now, when we say walk according to senses, that doesn't mean just being you know, tied up with lust or materialism. That can certainly be it, but it goes beyond that. When, when you and I look at a situation, when we evaluate circumstances and whether we're able to succeed, whether I'm able to handle this, whether getting involved in this situation, I would sacrifice too much comfort. When I begin to evaluate according to those terms, I'm walking according to the natural man and I'm, I'm hindering the ministry of the Holy Spirit in my life. Because you and I aren't supposed to just walk according to our own ability. If I have enough wisdom, if I have enough understanding, do I have enough experience to take advantage of that opportunity or not? Because we've been sent a special helper, a supernatural source of comfort and wisdom, a counselor, a teacher. That enables us to step into situations and succeed, even though in the natural, we might not have the wisdom or understanding on our own. I might not have the experience really to step in and take advantage of that opportunity. I'm not limited to 
to my own experience. You're not limited to your own experience. You've got a supernatural source. So you, the Holy Spirit has been around since the dawn of time. So you can rely on his experience, how to handle situations. You don't have to worry about, am I going to sacrifice too much comfort? When you, when you step out of your comfort zone, that's when you're making room for the ministry of the Holy Spirit to do what he's been sent to do. He is a comforter. But when you and I just rely on ourselves, our own strength, our own ability, we've limited. He doesn't have a room to help us until you step into a situation where you need his help. He doesn't have an opportunity to comfort you until you step out of your comfort zone and he has an opportunity to bring you comfort that you need. So that, that limits. That's what I mean by walking according to the natural. You're just going by what you can do on your own. We hinder the ministry of the Holy Spirit when we do that. And it's not just, not just what we think of classical ministry opportunities. The Holy Spirit is for everyday real life. Not just for preaching a message. A lot of times people make the mistake of, you know, if, if I were going to be doing a crusade somewhere in Africa, I could see where I would need the Holy Spirit. You'd be right. You would need the Holy Spirit. But they limit his ministry to those kinds of situations. I, I had a good friend who was, you know, he was a Christian, served the Lord, but when it came to the Holy Spirit, he wanted nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. He didn't see a need for it. All I do is go to work and come home with my wife and my two kids. Uh, I'm pretty much set. I go to church, go to work, and go home. I, I, don't, I don't really need the Holy Spirit. He was thinking of the ministry of the Holy Spirit just in terms of being a pastor or an evangelist, not understanding that Jesus didn't send the helper, the, the counselor, the comforter just to, just to minister and help people that were in full-time ministry. He's for everyday life. Don't miss the ministry of the Holy Spirit by thinking you don't have room for him. Would you like help being a better dad, a better husband, a better wife, a better mom? Why, why fulfill those roles limited to your own ability when God wants to give you supernatural ability to fulfill all of those roles? Have you ever needed help forgiving somebody? You've been sent a helper. It's not limited to your own ability to get over that hurt and that pain. You have a helper sent by Jesus himself. Lean into the ministry of the helper. Have you ever needed assistance? You weren't able to be kind to someone at work the way that you knew you ought to be kind. Well, you, you need the role of the Holy Spirit. Instead of being limited to what you could muster up on your own, lean into the, re rely on him. People miss the benefit of the Holy Spirit in their lives because they don't make room for him. They don't look to him. They don't rely on him. The ability to present the gospel and bring somebody into the kingdom of God. People get stressed about it all the time. They feel like they don't have the ability. You need the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Give him room to operate. Trust that he's going to do what only he can do. The Holy Spirit's ministry is for everyday life. Just to walk with you. It's what we Stay in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Do you know what Peter was doing when he received the revelation that the gospel could go to the Gentiles as well? Acts chapter 10, he gets this revelation that it's not just for Jewish people and he ends up going to Cornelius' house and the gospel goes to people like you and I because of this revelation. Do you know what he was doing when God spoke to him this, this powerful revelation? He was waiting for lunch to get ready. He was waiting for the meal to hit the table. And in those moments, however long he was waiting, he, he was fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, just sensitive to him. Have you ever waited for a meal to be ready? Some of you will go to a restaurant today and get handed a buzzer that you're going to have 20 to 30 minutes waiting for your table. That's what Peter was doing. In those moments, he was keeping himself fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, and it, the Holy Spirit began to reveal to him something that had incredible impact. The Holy Spirit is for everyday, everyday life to stay in communion, fellowship with the Spirit of God.
Well, today I want to take a few minutes just to, to talk about another area where there's a lot of confusion in the church, people's perspective and understanding of something about the Holy Spirit. Today, I want to talk about when somebody receives the Holy Spirit. Some people in the church will say you receive the Holy Spirit when you accept Jesus. When you accept Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. If you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit. Some people will say that. Other people will say, no, that, that's not true. You receive Jesus when you receive Jesus, and then later you receive the Holy Spirit. People that are just saved, they don't have the Holy Spirit. And you have those two different point of views, and they, they can even use some scripture to back that up. And there's confusion there. And the reason that there's confusion is because they're, they're both right to some extent, and they're, they're both wrong. So I, I want to try to bring some clarity and, and make it as simple as possible. And to try to, try to make it simple, I want to use two significant Sundays that really launched the early church. So if you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, try to break this down, categorize it into the significance of two Sundays. The first Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. John chapter 20. If we started reading at the beginning of John chapter 20, if your Bible's like mine, right before that chapter starts, it says the resurrection. But we'll jump over to verse 19. My little subtitle there says, Jesus appears to his disciples. So this is on Resurrection Sunday. Starting in verse 19, it says, That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This, this is an amazing encounter. Really the first time that these people are having an encounter with the resurrected Jesus. Other than the few people that were at the tomb on resurrection morning, this is the first time people have encountered the resurrected Jesus and really the first time anyone has come in contact with Jesus after he's ascended to the Father. If you remember when he was encountered at the tomb, he said, don't touch me because I haven't yet ascended to the Father. Now he's appearing to his disciples. He's ascended to the Father. This is the first time that salvation is available. The resurrected Lord Jesus. They knew about Jesus, but he hadn't died and rose again. Now they're seeing, they're believing Jesus didn't just die, but now he is alive again. The first time that salvation is available is on Resurrection Sunday. And it says that Jesus breathed on them. Now th this runs parallel to what happens in the creation account in Genesis chapter two. Let me read to you Genesis chapter two, verse seven. It says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. At creation, God, God formed man and it says he breathed into him the breath of life. We talked about it last Sunday. Literally, he breathed into him the spirit of life and man became alive. But then man sins and they become spiritually dead. 
And it's through salvation that man can become alive spiritually again. So we see a parallel with man becoming alive the first time. Now they can become alive spiritually again. And just like in the Garden of Eden where God breathed the spirit of life, now Jesus breathes on his disciples. They can become alive spiritually. This is when they are made new creatures. This is when they're made alive. They, why we talk about being born again. They were born once physically. Now they're being born spiritually. Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. This is the salvation encounter, the salvation experience. So the Holy Spirit is active and working when people step into salvation. You can see it here as, as they are breathed on, receive the Holy Spirit. This is the point where they become saved, Christians, born again, new creatures. So the Holy Spirit is active and working in salvation. Turn to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter three, this, this is one of my favorite passages, starting in verse three. It says, once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other. But when God, our savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. So he's talking in those verses about the salvation experience. It says that he saved us. We were wicked. We were, we were following. We were slaves of, of lust and pleasure. We hated each other. But God was so rich in mercy, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. And then he begins to describe it. He washed away our sins. He gave us new birth. He gave us new life. Now, how does it say that all of this was accomplished? He gave us new birth, washed away our sins, gave us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. Then when someone comes to know Jesus, the Holy Spirit is the one who's ministering to them drawing them to Jesus. Jesus said in John 14, the world can't receive the Holy Spirit. But in John 16, he says that the world experiences the conviction of sin through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So those of us who know Jesus, when you and I decided to give our hearts and our lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit was the one ministering to you when you came to that decision. He brought a conviction. You knew that, man, I'm, I'm sinful. I need someone to rescue me. Man, I'm not good enough on my own. I've, I've made mistakes. I need a savior. That was the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is the one who draws people into relationship with Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is active in salvation. If you are saved, you've experienced the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's already working in your life. He draws people to Jesus. But listen to this next verse. We'll read verse five again. He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. Verse six, he generously poured out the spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our savior. So the Holy Spirit is the one who brings us into Jesus. He saved us, made us clean, made us new, made us alive through the Holy Spirit. And then it says, he generously poured out the spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our savior. So the Holy Spirit draws us into Jesus. And then Jesus is the one who baptizes or fills, pours out the Holy Spirit upon us. So the Holy Spirit is active and ministering to people in the salvation experience. But you can see in this passage that Jesus then fills people, pours out the Holy Spirit on them. The Holy Spirit draws people to Jesus 
And then Jesus brings people into the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So on Resurrection Sunday is when people could experience new life in Jesus. But there is another Sunday where we see there is a second work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. Turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. We'll start reading in verse one. It says, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. We'll keep reading, but the same Luke that wrote the gospel of Luke is the one who wrote the book of Acts. If you read the first few verses of the gospel of Luke, he starts off with something similar, saying it seemed good to me to put together an account. He's writing to this man named Theophilus. The Holy Spirit led him to write it. And now he's writing a second letter or a second book to Theophilus. said, listen, I told you all about the life of Jesus, his ministry here on earth, but now I'm gonna write you another account and tell you how things went after that. And so that's what he's doing in the book of Acts. Verse two, until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, this, this is the same group of men, the same disciples that we read about in John chapter 20, that Jesus appears to them, breathes on them, and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Same group of men, but now he's saying, you need to wait. Before you go out, don't do anything. Wait in Jerusalem until what? He doesn't say, wait until you become new creatures. He doesn't say, wait until you are forgiven of your sins. He doesn't say, wait until you experience salvation. He says, now you need to wait until you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. So, well, let's, let's read the next few verses. Verse six. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, is the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Verse seven, he replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times and they are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let's jump over to chapter two, verse one. It says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So on Resurrection Sunday, it was made available for people to come alive in Jesus, to be born again. So Resurrection Sunday is about life, but then Pentecost Sunday is about receiving power to live as a man of God or a woman of God, and both are enormously important. The Holy Spirit is working in someone's life when they receive the newness of life found only in Jesus, but there is a second work for the Holy Spirit to accomplish to fill people so they can receive power, and again, they are both very important. Let me try to illustrate by talking about Mary. 
in Luke chapter one, Mary is minding her own business, doing who knows what, and an angel appears to her. It begins to tell her, you found favor with God. You're gonna have a son. He's gonna sit on the throne of his father, David. His kingdom will know no end. He's going to be the Messiah. Tells her this wonderful news. This is amazing news that not only is she going to carry this, this important child, but that the Messiah is coming at all. This is wonderful, amazing news. It is good news. But as you read through that account, Mary starts to feel overwhelmed and asks, how, how can all of this be? I mean, it's wonderful. It's great. Don't get me wrong. But how in the world can this be? Then in Luke chapter 1, verse 35, the angel answers her and says, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and the power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. So she received good news. She heard about Jesus. But then after receiving the good news, she felt like, how, how in the world, how can this happen? And the way that it was going to be able to happen was through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, now similarly, a lot of us in this room have accepted Jesus. We've received the good news. But once you're in the kingdom of God, you've been pulled out of the kingdom of the darkness. You're in the kingdom of God. And if you take it seriously and begin to read about the kingdom and how you and I are supposed to function in this kingdom, that you're supposed to be holy as God is holy. I read, read the Bible and find out that I'm supposed to walk in purity. I'm supposed to walk in righteousness. I'm supposed to be kind and loving and patient. That I'm only supposed to build people up and edify them and never tear them down. Husbands are supposed to love their wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Wives, wives that serve Jesus and know him. They're supposed to submit to their husbands like the church is submitted to Jesus. Children are supposed to honor and obey their parents. Jesus said, if I, if I believe and I follow him, there's going to be signs that follow me that I'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover, that I'll cast out demons, we'll raise the dead. We've been given the assignment to evangelize the world, to take the good news everywhere so that everyone has an opportunity. We've been assigned to advance the kingdom of God and it goes on and on. If you take it seriously, you've received the good news, but it can be overwhelming. We think, how in the world Am I going to, to walk in kindness and holiness and righteousness? How am I going to be holy as God is holy? How in the world am I supposed to lay hands on a sick person and see them get better? How can I cast out a demon? How can I do? How can these things be? I've received the good news, but like Mary, how, how can these things be? Well, the answer is the same. We need the Holy Spirit to come on us and over us and enter us and let the, the, the power of God overshadow us that we can feel overwhelmed. But really, that's what makes us eligible to receive the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. There is a first initial work of the Holy Spirit, but then there is a second resurrection Sunday, but also Pentecost Sunday, where we receive power to be the men and women that on our own, we, we lack the ability to be. So let, let me give a couple of examples of this second work. This, this can be a hang up for some people, the second work of the Holy Spirit. But as you read through the Bible, this is what we see happen in the lives of, of believers. That first they experience salvation. And then after that, there's another experience that the Bible calls baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I'll, I'll just give you a, a couple of examples. Acts chapter two, we already looked at one example. Men that knew Jesus had encountered the resurrected Lord Jesus. They touched the scars in his hand. They saw the wounds in his side. They knew that Jesus had died and rose again. They, they were saved. If they died, they, they would have gone to heaven. But then Jesus said, wait, there's something else. And in Acts chapter two, the verses we read, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. There was a salvation experience 
and then baptism in the Holy Spirit. Turn to Acts chapter 8. We'll see another example. Acts chapter eight, we'll start reading in verse four. It says, but the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear this message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed, so there was great joy in that city. We'll skip over to verse 14. Verse 14, it says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John. So they're sending Peter and John after what? After they heard that the people of Samaria, have, they've accepted the good news. They've accepted God's message about Jesus. So at that point, they're saved. Verse 15, as soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers. So they're, they're already believers. They prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. Even though they're already believers, the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon them. For they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers and they received the Holy Spirit. Turn to Acts chapter 19. Give you one more example. Acts chapter 19, verse 1. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. The people that he found weren't people who needed to be told about Jesus. They were already believers. They're disciples. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. I'll keep reading, but that, that's why it's so important to talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. They hadn't received them. Why hadn't they received them? Because nobody had ever told them about the Holy Spirit. We had two people first service that there was several that received the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit first service. Two of them came up afterwards and said that this is the most wonderful thing I've ever experienced after meeting Jesus. They said, I, up until last week, I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. And I came this week, I, I was just ready. I wanted, I wanted more. They said, they'd, they'd never received, they'd, they'd never heard anything. That's what we see in Acts chapter 19. These people were Christians and Paul asked them, when you first believed, when you came to know Jesus, did you receive the Holy Spirit? They said, no, we didn't even know anything about the Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for a repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. So there, there's three quick examples and we could give others of where people accept the good news, accept Jesus, and then after that have the experience of receiving the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit. That, that's the pattern that we see. And we won't take time to go into it today. Maybe another Sunday we can talk more in depth about it. But along with people receiving the baptism, 
the pattern is that when they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they begin to speak in other tongues, that there is an evidence, there is an overflow. And we could take time to talk about different aspects of the gift of speaking in tongues, but one part of it is this overflow that you begin to speak in this unknown language, this heavenly language, a beautiful, powerful gift that God gives us, part of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me read one more verse or one more passage and then we'll pray for people to receive. John chapter seven. John chapter seven, starting in verse 37. It says, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart or from his belly, from his inner man. Verse 39, when he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him, but the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered his glory. So Jesus says, anyone's thirsty can come to me, they can drink, and rivers of living water will begin to flow out of their inner man. And then it tells us, listen, when he's talking living water, what he's really talking about is the Holy Spirit. And then it tells us the Holy Spirit hadn't yet been given because Jesus hadn't died and resurrected and returned to be with the Father, which goes right along with what Jesus taught the disciples in John 14, 15, and 16, when he said, it's better off for you that I go, that I return to the Father so that I can send you the Holy Spirit. It hadn't happened yet. It wasn't available then, but it's available this morning because Jesus has resurrected. He's entered into his glory. So what he's teaching us there applies today. He says, if anyone is thirsty, they can come to me. Anyone who believes in me can come and drink. So two requirements to receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. One is that you know Jesus, that you've come to Jesus, that you believe in him. And if you've not taken that step, we'll give you an opportunity to do that here in just a couple of minutes. You need to experience what was made available on Resurrection Sunday, newness of life, to be made new and alive, a new creature by accepting Jesus as your Savior. That's the first requirement, that you believe in Jesus, that you have come to him. The other requirement is that you're thirsty. If anyone's thirsty, they can come to me, Jesus said. Now, thirsty, sometimes we can over-spiritualize that and disqualify ourselves. If you feel inadequate on your own, that's being thirsty. You feel like, I know I'm not good enough. I feel like, Mary, how I'm, I'm overwhelmed. How can I be all the things that God has called me to be? How can I live that kind of life? How can I bear that kind of fruit? That, that's thirsty. Those feelings of inadequacy that the enemy would try to use you to disqualify yourself are actually what Jesus said will qualify you to come and receive. If anyone is thirsty, when you're thirsty, you realize, man, I'm lacking something. There's something I, I, I desperately need. That's thirst. If you're thirsty, Jesus didn't say people can come to him if they've got their act put together, if they're, if they're faithful tithers, they, they've memorized a lot of scripture, if they're very religious. He didn't say you can come to me and drink if you're, if you're a very spiritual person. He said if you are thirsty. So if you feel a sense of inadequacy in your walk with the Lord, then you qualify to receive the gift of the Father. Anyone who's thirsty, I'm, I'm so thirsty. God, I know, I know, I need something beyond what I can muster up on my own. Beautiful. You're the kind of person Jesus said, anyone who's thirsty, they can come to me and they can drink. So in just a couple of moments, if that's you, we'll invite you forward. You can come, you're thirsty. I I want everything that you have for me. You can come and drink. When you come and drink, you don't drink with your mouth closed. You drink with your mouth open. Just to come and drink in, to receive the Holy Spirit, 
to receive. And Jesus said, you can come and drink and then rivers of living water will begin to flow. There's, there's gonna be an overflow, a bubbling up, a gushing over, begin to speak in other tongues. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, the mouth speaks. You come and drink and receive and let the Holy Spirit fill you. And then some of you won't even need hands laid on you. But by the time I lay my hands on you, take a few minutes and disengage. No more, no more English for the next few minutes until you begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. Take a step of faith and leave, leave English and leave your limited vocabulary, your limited ability to understand what you're saying. The natural mind will mess with you and try to tell you it's nonsense, it's silliness. That's why Jesus said people who just go by the natural mind and the senses, they, they cannot receive all that the Holy Spirit has for them. So don't listen to what your natural mind will say. Walk by faith. Let the Holy Spirit fill you and then begin to utter this heavenly language that God wants to give you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. How will you know that it's really the Holy Spirit that's filling you and that that language isn't just something that you've made up or something evil? Well, Jesus said, if a, a father, an earthly father knows how to give a good gift, if you come and you ask for an egg or a fish, a, a, a halfway decent father isn't going to give them something different, give their child a, a snake or a scorpion. He said, how much more so will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So how do you know you received? Because that, that's what you asked for. You receive the Holy Spirit. That, that's how you know you've received the Holy Spirit because he's faithful. You will receive the Holy Spirit this morning. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, when you come forward, come thirsty, you know Jesus, you are perfectly qualified to receive the gift that God has for you. There's no other qualification. So whatever religious nonsense you've been tangled up in before, if you're thirsty, you can come and you can drink and you can receive what God has for you. Those feelings of inadequacy don't disqualify you. They qualify you to let God pour into you. He richly pours out his Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Jesus wants to pour out the Holy Spirit over you and in you. Let the power of the Most High overshadow you. When you think about what God's called you to do, who he's called you to be, and you know you don't have it, that's why God has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit, to come and to make up that difference. So it's his power, his ability, the grace of God being made perfect in our weaknesses. It's carried out by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Resurrection Sunday, life. Pentecost Sunday, the infilling of the Holy Spirit in power. And we need, we need both. We need both. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page. 